The Mysterious Code, Chapter 9, Lost in a Blizzard I'm afraid we can't work on the furniture at the club tonight, Honey told Trixie when they met in the corridor on their way to class. Or try to solve any mysteries either. Why not? Trixie asked. We have to use every minute we can. Why can't we work? Because Reagan is pretty mad at us. He says we never exercise the horses any more, Honey said. Trixie's face fell. We can't afford to have Reagan mad at us, she said. He's one of the best friends anyone ever had. Miss Trask, too. She said she never sees us any more. She misses Bobby in particular. Honey was exasperated with Trixie at times. She wished her friends would try to solve every mystery all by herself. Honey wanted to be the kind of detective who sat in an office and directed other people. She had no liking for danger. Trixie was just the opposite. The more involved the situation seemed to be, the better she liked it. Adventure, even danger, beckoned her and found her willing. The mysterious happenings that annoyed Honey, and in fact the other members of the Bob Whites of the Glen, only excited Trixie. She would have liked to have spent every moment with the club and its problems. Trixie was scrupulous, though, about doing work that was expected of her. If Reagan wanted the horses exercised, she would do it, no matter what she would rather do. Until Honey Wheeler's family had brought Manor House, Trixie had never had a chance to ride a horse, and she had longed for one. Now the Wheeler's five riding horses were at the disposal of Honey's and Jim's friends. Red-haired Reagan lost his red-haired temper when the horses weren't exercised and everything wasn't ship-shape around the stables. We'll tell the boys when we meet them at noon that we have to ride, Honey said. Reagan surely can use some help. He's had Tom, our chauffeur, riding. If there's anything Tom hates more than a horse, I don't know what it is. That's true, Trixie agreed. And if there's anything Reagan hates more than an automobile, it's another automobile. They're both super at their jobs, they have. That's why my daddy doesn't want anything to happen that might make either of them want to leave, Honey said. Why can't Bobby come over to our house and visit Miss Trask and Reagan tonight after school? He used to be with them often before he was sick. Di's little twin brother, Larry and Terry, have been at our house several times. Reagan is crazy about children. He was raised in an orphanage, and I guess that's the reason. Can't Bobby come over? I'm afraid not. I thought you knew that Bobby isn't allowed to go out of the house as yet. He hasn't completely recovered from his sickness. He would be thrilled if Miss Trask and Reagan would come to see him. You remember old Brome, the man with the whiskers, who was at Mrs. Vanderpool's house? I told you about him. He comes to see Bobby often. Bobby loves him. He doesn't have money to buy presents for Bobby, but the things he brings are wonderful. He made a willow whistle for Bobby that plays several notes. I'd love to see it, Honey said. He carved funny little goblins and ghosts for Bobby, too, Trixie said. I think Brome really thinks the elves live in the mountains near here. I know Bobby believes it. You should hear some of the legends old Brome tells Bobby. 
If someone would put them in a book, I know the book would sell. Maybe someday we could collect them, Honey suggested. If Brome would tell them to us, we could write them down. That would be a great project for the BWGs, wouldn't it? Not for me, Trixie said. You know the kind of marks I get in English. The poems you write for your term paper were beautiful. The ones about the Navajo Indians? You wrote them after we came back from the ranch, Honey said. You got an A on them. All I did was to repeat some of the ceremonial songs, Trixie said, and maybe twist them around a bit. I can't write prose. Poems sing inside my head at times. It's when I try to put them down on paper that I fail. Jeepers, honey, we're going to be late for class. The corridor is deserted. I didn't hear the bell, did you? Not a sound, honey said, and they hurried into the English classroom. At noon, when Trixie told the boys that Reagan was provoked at them for not helping exercise the horses, Jim said, Honey must have seen Reagan yesterday instead of today, or she just must have misunderstood. Brian and Mart and I rode all the horses last evening. We took turns. I saw Tom this morning riding Susie, and Mother had Strawberry. That leaves Jupiter, Lady, and Starlight, Honey said. I'll ride Jupiter tonight, Brian said. He usually rode the chestnut gelding. Starlight, but he longed to give Jupiter, Jim's big black gelding, a real workout. Not tonight, Brian, Jim said. He hasn't had enough exercise lately, and he'll be too hard to manage. I'll take him. I seem to have put him at his ease. He's better with me than with anyone else. We'll all have to pay more attention to the exercising of the horses from now on. Let me ride Starlight, Mart begged. You said I could, Brian. Brian nodded his permission. I'll ride Lady, Honey said. Then Brian and I will go home and help Mother, Trixie said. It's hard to do everything. We just have to work every minute we can on the furniture. We just have to study, too, and to help at home. I don't know what Tad can find to make him jealous. We work harder than people do in the main, in the mines in Africa. I think you are confusing in your usual befuddled manner Africa with Siberia, Mart said, smugly. If you do a little reading now and then, instead of pursuing elusive individuals who practice infractions of the law, you'd... I'd be as big a bore as you are, Mart Belden, with your big words that don't mean anything, Trixie, her face red, retorted. Don't argue, please, Diana said. Remember, we have to work together. All right, said Mart. Though Mart and Trixie seemed usually to be at sword's point, if anyone had a word against either one of them, the other would spring to his defense immediately. It was just that they were too near one another in age, because Mart was eleven months older and a boy, and for that reason seemed to enjoy a few extra privileges. Trixie continuously tried to get even with him. When the school bus stopped at the manor house that afternoon, Mart got off with Honey, Jim and Diana. Diana usually cut across the upper part of the Wheeler estate to get to her own home, Trixie and Brian went on to the crabapple farm. Jim's black and white spring, Springer Spaniel, Patch, ran out barking and waving his tail like a semaphore. 
Reagan, leading Jupiter, called to Jim, "Tell him to be quiet. He's making Jupiter nervous, but he won't mind me." "You know I've trained him to mind only me," Jim said. "Stay, Patch." The little dog dropped before Jim and froze into immediate obedience. It was such a beautiful performance that everyone applauded, even the bus driver. Jim stooped to scratch the little dog's ears affectionately. "We're sorry about not exercising the horses," Trixie called from the bus. "It's just that we've been so busy working on the antique show." "I know that," Reagan said, "but the horses don't." "You'll have to do better, Trixie, or we'll have a bunch of wild horses on our hands and nothing to ride in the spring." The bus driver stepped on the accelerator. We'll do better," Trixie called through the window. "See if we don't." The bus went on down the valley to Crabapple Farm. "I'm surely glad you came home to help," Mrs. Belden said. "This has been a day when everything seemed to go wrong. I haven't had a minute to feed the chickens, and Bobby has been so cross." "I wasn't cross," Bobby called from the couch in the study. "I just wanted to get up and play with Reddy, and Mom's never letted me." That's another thing," Mrs. Belden said. "I have not seen Reddy since morning. He always keeps Bobby amused. He's never stayed away from home this long. Open a can of food and go out and call him, please, Brian." Brian called. "Reddy, here, Reddy, come, Reddy." But no Reddy came bouncing out of the woods as he usually did at the first sound of his name. He didn't come when I called, Mom's. Brian said, and put the can of dog food on the table in the kitchen. That's strange," Mrs. Belden said. "He probably chased a rabbit far into the heart of the game preserve. The Wheeler's gamekeeper, Mister Maypenny, won't like that at all." Mister Maypenny is away," Trixie said. "I want my dog," Bobby wailed. "My dog is lost. It please find my dog." "He isn't lost, Lamb," Trixie said. "He'll be home soon." Trixie wasn't sure of what she was saying. She could see that her mother was concerned too, and that Brian was worried. The whole family loved the playful Irish setter. He is too losted. I'm going to hunt for him myself. Bobby insisted. I'm sure he'll be home soon. His mother assured him. Trixie, will you read to Bobby? Don't want any old story. I only like the ones Brom tells me. Where's Brome? Is he losted too? He didn't come to see me two years. Bobby was tired of being kept in the house all the time, and he was being unreasonable and exaggerating. Look out the window, Lamb. Trixie said, "That's right. You may get up and go to the window. See who's there." It's Jim. Bobby cried. He's riding Jupiter. Moms, may I go out and see Jupiter and Jim? No, you may not, Bobby. Why do you continue to ask if you can go outdoors when the doctor said you couldn't until the weather grows warmer? Mrs. Belden was tired, or she never would have lost patience with any of her children, at least of all Bobby. Bobby did not notice, however. He put his face up against the window. Jim turned Jupiter so that. His big horse's black nose was pressed against Bobby's, with just the glass between it. "Come in, Jim, and talk to me," Bobby insisted. "Bring Jupiter to see me. 
Jim laughed. I can't do that, Bobby, he called. But I'll put Jupiter out in the barn. Then I'll come in for a little bit. Give Jupiter some oats to eat, Bobby shouted. Call Reddy, too, please. I'm afraid Reddy is really lost in Mom's, he said as he lay down again on the couch in the study. Jim, will you go find him for me? What's this about Reddy? Jim asked when he came in through the kitchen. I don't know, Trixie answered. He doesn't come when we call him. It's never happened before, especially if he hasn't been fed all day. Did you call him? As loud as I could call when I came out of the barn, Jim said. Don't you think anyone should go and hunt for him? I thought so, but Mom's is worried. She doesn't want us to go far from the farm. She thinks the blizzard is coming. Bobby is fretting so, though. Trixie turned to her mother. Mom's, won't you let us go? Brian and I know our way through all the woods around here. We've been in blizzards before. Please? If you don't let Trixie go and find my dog, I'll get sick again, Bobby called from the study. I'll go with you to look for Reddy, Jim said. I can leave Jupiter in the barn here till I come back. Don't you think it would be all right if the three of us were together, Mrs. Belden? Trixie looked expectantly at her mother. I just don't know what to say, Mrs. Belden replied. If your father were only home, she added, but he's in New York on business. He won't be back till tomorrow. Reddy'll just die if they wait till tomorrow, Bobby cried. Please let Trixie go and find my dog. What's the fuss about? Brian asked. You're not usually so reluctant to let us do anything. I'm nervous, Mrs. Belden said. It sounds foolish, but I'm afraid something will happen. What kind of something? Trixie asked. You're imagining things. Maybe I am, her mother agreed. Why don't you let the boys go by themselves? Trixie is the one who will find my dog, Bobby cried. I want Trixie to go. Very well, Mrs. Belden said. But if it starts to snow hard, you're to come back, won't you? If we think the storm is turning into a blizzard, we will, Trixie answered, exultant. She loved to be out in a storm. She loved any kind of adventure and almost any kind of hazard. In a few minutes, she was back with her coat and with a woolen scarf to tie over her head. Jim, you take this heavy sweater, Mrs. Belden said. You've dressed dress for riding. Do you have your flashlight? Remember, Trixie, this is no adventure. You're going to find Reddy, and when you find him, you are to come straight back home. Brian and I will try to curb her curiosity, Jim said, and winked at Trixie as the three of them left. Trixie looped a leash over her arm. It was in an indignity Reddy seldom suffered. He hated a leash, but he must be taught that he could not run away. They set off briskly through the woods. From time to time, they stopped to call the setter. Reddy, here, Reddy, come, boy. There was no response. Maybe someone picked him up, Jim said. Someone in a car over on the Glen Road. It would take a squad of mountain police to get Reddy into a strange car, Trixie said. I'm worried. Now don't get all upset on us, Brian warned. Brian Belden, you're worried yourself, Trixie said. Both of you had better be a little worried, Jim said, pushed his way through the path. Do you see how the wind has changed? Where is the sun? It's getting late in the day, Trixie said. 
It must be past four o'clock. No, Jim, you're right. Listen to that wind. It's about ten degrees colder, too, Brian said, beating his chest to keep the blood circulating. Where is that dog? Here, ready, here, ready. How do you know he even came down this path, Trixie? Jim asked. He always has followed this path or gone into the woods on this part of the preserve, Trixie answered. He's here in the forest somewhere. But where, Brian asked. I don't like the way the wind is acting. Now who's scared, Trixie asked. Maybe you should go back home, Trixie, Jim suggested. I'll never do that, Trixie answered. I'll go back when both of you go back. And not before. I don't think I'll go back even then. Just think of listening to Bobby cry all night long if we don't find Reddy. No, I'm going right on. You'll have to do the explaining to moms, Brian said, if we get lost. I hope you know where we are. I don't. Do you, Jim? I... I don't think so, Jim said slowly. Trixie, let's make one last attempt to call Reddy. Then we must turn back, okay? Yes, Jim, Trixie said. But I don't want to give up. Brian and Jim beat back the snow-covered bushes on each side of the path and called, Here, Reddy. There was no answering bark, only silence. Here, Reddy, Trixie called softly, coaxing. Here, Reddy, boy, come, Reddy. A half moan, half bark answered her. He's near here, she called to the boys. Right around here someplace. Where are you, Reddy? I'm coming. The whimper and bark grew a little louder. They turned in that direction. The snow was coming down in a thick, heavy cloud now. Even beneath the trees, the fall was so dense that they could see only a little way around them in fast-gathering dusk. Reddy, Trixie kept calling. Reddy. The answering whine was so near she almost stumbled over the big red dog lying on the ground. What is it, Reddy? Trixie asked, down on her knee at his side. Good, Reddy, good boy. Are you hurt? Reddy licked her hand in welcome. He's caught in a trap, Brian said, kneeling at the dog's other side. It must be his leg. Yes, there it is. Quiet, fella. I'll try not to hurt you. His foot is caught, just the tip. Thank goodness it isn't any worse, Brian released the trap. Good, Reddy, Trixie said, hugging her pet. Is his foot broken, Brian? No, but it must hurt pretty bad. There, there, Reddy boy. Brian lifted the big dog into his arms. Who'd be so cruel as to set a trap around here, Trixie asked. I hope you'll ask your father to have Mr. Maypenny look into this right away, Jim. It's an old rusted fox trap, Jim announced. There's a bounty on fox pelts now. Someone must have found this old trap someplace and set it to try and catch some and get some money. Poor Reddy. Could have been worse, Brian said. I know you don't think so, boy he said as Reddy snuggled his damp nose against Brian's neck. I'd say Reddy's in better shape than we are right now, Jim said. I haven't the slightest idea where we are. I just know there's the granddaddy of a blizzard raging right now, and we're a long way from anywhere. I guess we should have listened to Mom, Brian said, and left Reddy out here to die, Trixie asked scornfully. 
Of course not, Jim said placatingly, but we are in a bad spot. I don't even know where the main path is right now, do you? Trixie looked about her and shook her head. It's getting darker and darker, too, she said. I'll try going in that direction, Jim said, and flashed his light. Put your head down, Trixie, and you won't get the full force of the wind. Let's stay closer together, all of us, Brian said. We can't afford to get separated. Coming, Trixie? Reddy cried plaintively in Brian's arm. I'm coming. We will find a way out, Trixie answered, her voice vigorous and sure. That's the girl, Jim answered. Then he stumbled and fell in the snow.